Hello and welcome to this week's Wendy's Words of Wisdom. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Dan Schreiber. Hello. Hi, thank you for coming. Thank you so much for having me. It's spectacular because I tried a couple of times to get you on the podcast and we, we couldn't make it work once. Yeah. And then here you are. Yeah. Whereas often with comedians, they cancel all the time. Oh, really? Do you find it really <laughs> hard getting people? I think it's hilarious. Yeah. Like you'd be surprised how many comics sort of call up on the day and go, oh, I had a lit one. It must be a daytime thing because everyone's got nighttime jobs as comedians. I think possibly that's what it is, but that doesn't work for me because I I got my nighttime job and then I get up at the crack of dawn anyway. Exactly. You met my youngest just now. I did. Three-year-old. Yeah. Taller than me. (laughs) Yeah. So we're to, yeah, no, Wendy's words of wisdom, as you know, is um, other people's words of wisdoms that you tell me. And you've got lots of th- stuff that you're... I mean, I, Googling you and finding out about you. I mean, we met in Edinburgh at the yeah. festival where you were doing your own show. Yes, yeah. Yeah, we met, we met in the, um, the abattoir bar. In the abattoir I think. bar, We were yeah. playing that game uh, where you had to say, I have a business. And you say, what's your business? How's it going? And then you lay down a really terrible pun on the backside <laughs> of it. Um, yeah. I can't remember any examples now. Neither can but, I, but yeah. it was fun. I remember it being fun. But, um, and so, because you... I was looking at what you might be into, and you're into everything because, like, you're one of you're one of the QI elves as well. Yeah. Which I was like, for ages wondered, what does QI mean? It's just quite interesting. Yeah, isn't it? yeah, okay. I, and that's kind of what the core philosophy of it is. Uh-huh. It's the idea that everything is interesting, no matter how dull it may seem. Which is pretty much the philosophy of this podcast. Right. Everything is interesting. <laughs> well, so go. welcome. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Perfect place to be. Um, but you have passions and interests. Oh, but we're just talking about books because mm. obviously you're, we're in my office and there's lots of books up. Yeah, there. you have an amazing bookshelf. This I- is my big passion: books. Really? This, yeah. Literally, this is, it's all I do in life. I, if you ever, like, if I go missing and people can't find me, I'm definitely in a bookshop in central London. Oh, like, really? no question. Yeah. And do you have favorite kinds of bookshops? Because there's, there's obviously, I, I really like old, musty bookshops because mm. I just love the smell. I know people who are really into vinyl records love the smell of record shops. Yeah. And I find the smell of secondhand bookshops. Secondhand bookshops are my favorite place. Really? Yeah. So there's a place called Dial a Book back in Sydney, which is the, that taught me about, everything that I know from comedy through to... They just had every... Because this is the thing, you go to new bookshops and they don't have, you know, the old books that are out of print. And uh-huh. often those are the best books. And these secondhand bookshops will suddenly have books by Spike Milligan that were out of print 20 years ago or Marx Brothers books or, it's, it, or you know, great science books are no longer in print. And, and, and I love it when they don't know the value of the book as well. So, oh, you really? som- yeah, you sometimes see a book that should be worth, you know, 50 quid and they're selling it for a pound... And you have to style out you have how to just excited you are. Rather coolly go to the counter and be like, oh, oh <laughs> I mean, can I get it for less? Is that, you know. <laughs> Seriously, are you buying no, it I mean, down? No, because then some bookshops know exactly what it's worth. So you gotta, you can't That's feel amazing. like you're cheating anyone because, you know. And I guess the best book finds will be like in secondhand shops like um, Oxfam. Oxfam's, all uh, yeah, all that. There's a, there's a road in Camden, which is the main high road, where uh, there's about six secondhand, um, not, it, sorry, yeah. not secondhand, but like charity shops. Yeah. I hit that up all the time. Really? I'm literally, my life is in bookshops. People going, oh my God, I've got to clear out my dad's books now that he's gone and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And you're like, yes, yeah, sure. Yeah. It's amazing. There should be like a whole, a whole like a shop with just discontinued stuff, like discon- out of print books, lipsticks that women can't get hold of, because that's a big thing for women when they can't get hold of a lipstick. Oh, that, really? Yeah, they'll have a favourite lipstick for like 30 years and all of a sudden Max Factor will go, now we're discontinuing it. And it's like... <gasps> that's true. Yeah. That's true. I had a conversation the other day with a friend about Gap. I never shop at Gap outside uh-huh. of the fact that they have this one type of black T-shirt, which is like a stretch T-shirt, but it's not too stretchy. And two of my friends, who I never knew wore it, 
suddenly were like, they've discontinued it, and we've been freaking out, going, where do we get these shirts from? <laughs> I've never had that oh, chat before. Shop. It's with, bizarre, isn't yeah, it? The, that would be... But there must be pockets all over the place where it's just... Like, for me, I like mostly... I'm quite easy, please. I'm quite... I'm, I'll go whatever. Whereas there's some people that just get passionate about that one thing. Mm. And when that one thing goes, as you know, with Gap. Yeah. Are you writing letters to complain? No, I mean, I wish I had that kind of motivation, but no, I just talk about it now like it was a mythological shirt. Do you remember the days of the black shirt? Yeah. Um, and so you're looking at the books here and you're yeah. just saying, you're telling me what you think the best one. Well, so, I mean, I'm just, I'm kind of, I haven't even properly scoped it out. Richard Pryor's book is amazing. I mean, it's a, it's ghostwritten. It's really weird. I'm, I have a, I hate ghostwritten books, except for some people who I know just would never write a book. So I kind of go, oh, that that's, I'm glad this exists now. And Richard Pryor's book is kind of a collection of years of his stand-up just uh-huh. smashed into it. And I'm it's just say, I'm going to speak about it as if you put it from someone who hasn't read it, because it's not more interesting if I go, oh yeah, that bit in chapter oh, yeah. four. <laughs> I'm going to go, oh yeah, and tell me why you like that. Uh, and so you like Richard Pryor's book. You also yeah. said that one of the best um, biographies you'd read uh, Frank well, Skinner by Frank Skinner, his autobiography. So the reason that this book is great is it's it's written as if it's a diary, but he's just taken out the date. So he doesn't give you a linear story of his life. It's just this happened today. Oh, I got a call today. Oh, this reminds me of when I first went on stage with David Baddiel. Oh, this bit was when I was working. My friends told me I was fine. It's, it's just great. It's so scatty. At the same time, it just... you feel, uh, It's honestly... In terms of any style of book I've read, it's the best layout of a book. That's so interesting because the reasons you liked it, I found a little bit... I'm a, I think I might be a little bit OCD and that I kind of like a little bit more order. Right, okay. There's a program called Tis Was On when I was growing up that used to just do my head in because it was just too crazy and not structured. Okay, right. Whereas the other one on BBC One, they'd be like, you'd have this bit, then you'd have the phone in, then you'd have the star guest. And I was like, I knew where I was with it. But yeah. I enjoyed Frank Skinner's autobiography. I thought it was really well written. But for me, the, the fact that it went all over the place, I was a bit... Right. <laughs> but when but when is this happening? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need a date and a time. He's a really good writer, though, as well. Like, I, I'm surprised by the fact that I, I know people who, who don't actually like his comedy, let's say his stand-up, but have, have read bits of it and just fallen in love with the book. My auntie, she she can't really do him on TV, and then she picked up the book and couldn't put it down. But He's a great writer. Would you say that's because you can make yourself, you can make that person be what you want when you're reading the book? Yeah, I guess so, maybe. Maybe you can transform a different voice into a different impression. of. Although he got in a lot of trouble for that book because he talked about anal sex a lot. He talked about, it's a very controversial <laughs> book. Um but those are my favorite. I, I love when there's passages that remain with you from a book, like the Richard Pryor one. There was one where he talks about the fact that he was in a car once after he was finished partying in some club, and he saw this beautiful girl. He was, he was just like, this girl is stunning. He got into the car with her, and they started making out. And he started groping it down, and he realized, he's like, what, why is there a dick here? And realized it was a man. And he was like, he freaked out at first, because he was just like, I'm not gay, what, what is this? Yeah. And he was freaking out, and then he was while he was freaking out, he was looking at at this guy and thinking, "This is the most beautiful guy in the world." <laughs> and then just went, "Fuck it, I'll be gay," and became gay for three months in a relationship with this guy. And then when they broke up, he just went back to heterosexuality. I, just, I love that. I love you just. Do you know what? Yeah, you were so beautiful. That, I yeah. I'll, okay, I'm all in. bets are off. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but that's quite. That, that says an awful lot about him as well, though. Just being that so, yeah, he well, was... this is happening. This is a feeling I'm going to... Because so many of us go, oh my God, does that mean I'm this? Does that mean I'm that? Yeah, yeah. Just being able to go... 
Okay. He just followed it. And yeah, yeah which is the best way to be. Isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I love that book. The, I was saying before we started, um, the one that caught my eye is Bring on the Empty Horses by David Niven. Yes. So David Niven, um, most people know, obviously, is a huge actor, but he wrote two books. One was an autobiography called The Moon's a Balloon. See, that's the one I was looking for. I was looking for The Moon's a Balloon. Yeah. And I, I think I might have got that and then thought I'll get... The moon, I'll read that and then I'll, I'll read The Moon's Balloon. I think if I you like linear, read... you'll prefer The Moon's Balloon because oh, that's really? the story of his life. This book is just the story of Hollywood, but his role in Hollywood. And he makes this point. I can't remember which book it is he makes a point at, but he says everyone talks about name dropping being this bad thing. But he's like, listen, I've been around some of the most incredible names of Hollywood. And he says something like, if you're sitting at dinner with Chairman Mao... You're not going to write about the butler. You know, you're going to write about Chairman <laughs> yeah. Mao. And it's full of stories about Errol Flynn and, and just Charlie Chaplin, the whole of Hollywood. But he is the most brilliant writer, just of anecdote, I've ever read. There's not a wasted sentence. It's I just, incredible. I do love that old sort of old Hollywood. Um, yeah, it's great, isn't it? A yeah. golden age. It's it's because they got away with stuff that you just... you And it's I don't mean like debaucherous, like you, you tree stuff. Yeah. I mean, they got away with with spending ridiculous amounts of money on seemingly stupid things that they would then turn into these massive party scenes. Like all the Hollywood movies back in the day used to cost so much for their sets. You would never spend that kind of money on on physical sets these days. You might in the PR of a movie and you might in the like CGI, but like they would build structures, these huge structures. Yeah. um, Yeah. I love that period. There's, um, because I was in LA for three months last year and we sort of, some of the stories you you pick up because everyone's got an LA story. Like there's one guy who's had this um, his shoe framed, and I was kind of like, "What's what's wrong with you?" It was a sh- his shoe was in a box in his house, and I was kind of like, "What is it?" And there was like a really there was a hole in the sort of in the top of his shoe, and it's where Madonna's stiletto had gone through at <laughs> a party, and he put his fruit, he'd put his shoe in this plastic box. So I was kind of like, okay. Like, yeah. That's the amazing value of celebrity, isn't, isn't it? Isn't bizarre? It? Yeah. There's a really cool story I read about John Lennon being at a Hugh Hefner party. It was like John a John Lennon was at Hugh Hefner. Yeah. Why does that jar with me? What are of... they too far apart in time or I can, no, I kinda of feel like he would be a bit more I'd like to think he'd be a bit more sort of respectful of women, but obviously not. Oh no no, John Lennon was like was he... I, I John Lennon's my favourite person. Okay. I've read more biographies on John Lennon and I listen to John Lennon religiously you know like oh, really? daily I, I love Beatles and 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 John Lennon are my my big thing but um but he was a pretty nasty guy to women well like, I heard that I heard he wasn't very nice because a friend of mine's mother worked in Apple Records in the 60s ah, and she's quite like it's such a shame and this is like what you're saying with the Frank Skinner book and Frank Skinner is nice to women and he's a lovely guy um I know this I've met him yeah I, I got to work with him last year and it honestly was uh, for 10 years of working in comedy it was up there in the top five things. Oh, really? the, yeah, sitting in a room with him, just chewing over ideas. The guy is the most naturally funny person. Him, Reese Darby, uh, and I, weirdly, uh, a lot of people would be like, what? But Lee Francis, um, who is the Bo Selector guy yeah. and Keith Lemon, when, when you're sitting with Lee, the funniest man, you're crying <laughs> with laughter the whole time. Um, so those those three guys are the three people I've been around who I've been like, wow, I'm this is. Write them down so I can put that in. Lee Francis, <laughs> Lee Francis, Frank Skinner, Frank Skinner, and Reese Darby, and Reese Darby. Okay, but um, yeah, uh, same thing with um with the Frank Skinner book and the fact that you can read it in a different voice than to watching his stand-up. I mm-hmm. think that's the same with the Beatles and John Lennon. There's this kind of mythology that you kind of go, I can't get my head around the idea that he would have been nasty to to women, but uh, but apparently he was. Um, 
Oh, but the point was that he was at this Hugh Hefner party, and while he was there, he was. This was during his lost weekend period, where uh-huh. he was totally drunk for months and months, and um, he'd left Yoko Ono and he was off away, having affairs and and just going nuts. And he's at this party, and there was he was smoking a cigarette, and he was passing a Matisse, which was on Hugh Hefner's wall, mm-hmm. and he stubbed the cigarette out onto this Matisse. So the bodyguards of the party immediately grab him and try to eject him from the party as you would he's just yeah. stubbed a priceless painting and uh hugh hefton was like no 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 it's fine it's cool it's cool leave him at the party and everyone's like are you kidding he just ruined your masterpiece artwork here and he's like are you kidding john lennon just stubbed a cigarette into a matisse this has doubled the value you crazy get him stubbing everything <laughs> just send him around the house yeah, with a yeah, cigarette Andy Warhol drawing on napkins too yeah exactly how mad He's a smart cookie, though, isn't he, Hugh Hefner? Oh, yeah. Yeah, still going. Still going. Yeah. That's extraordinary. It is. It's insane. Although I saw some recent images of what the Playboy Mansion looks like now, and I don't think he's sort of... It's not making the, like, the kind of money My it was. used to. It's looking a bit dingy at the moment. It's a bit Buckingham Palace. Did you ever see the paper, the newspaper, when, when someone had sort of secretly photographed inside Buckingham Palace, and it was the Queen's breakfast room? And it was just like shitty Tupperware with cereal oh, in it, yes, like a crap yeah, yeah. guest house. And you're like, Reporter, oh, no. yeah, she has it all in Tupperware. <laughs> the, queen, like, the queen lives like a, in a B&B. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then I guess, I mean, I, I shouldn't really be shocked about John Lennon being hideous because I do think like, do think like most of the, sort of the great artists have, were seriously fucked up in yeah. their head, you know, like, I'm, I'm, I'm going. I'm going for all like Keats and and all these sort of old writers, but in actual yeah. fact, even like things like Michael Jackson, some people would consider him a very great artist. Mm. And you know wh- whether he did or didn't, he wasn't. He was a troubled man. Yeah, it's a t- it's a tough one as well when it's an artist who's produced stuff that you're just like, I, I just don't oh, want to no. let go. Yeah. And some are easy, like Rolf Harris. I was like, cool, I can let yeah. go of that. That's <laughs> exactly. all right. But there's, there's like, but then when you can do it in noisy, you're like. Yeah. It's a variety of dog noises. Yeah. So Rolfism. And um, yeah, but uh, the, I I don't know. It's one of those things because you know how like people say comedians are always really depressed and, Mm -hmm. and I kind of, I totally disagree with that. And I wonder if that's the same thing with the idea of like genius where it gives you a license. Like sometimes we give people a license to just be like John Lennon's been given the license in through history now Mm -hmm. since he's died really where you're just like, we're cool with the fact that you were, because the music was great and that was a terrible ending. And (laughs) he did write for me the best songs ever written. Um, But you kind of at the same time go, should we be allowing that? Like, should we be, because I can't defend it. If someone right. hates John Lennon, I cannot defend it. I just have to go, you're right. He's yeah. he's a dick. I don't know what to say. But and you let you it go. you get people that passionately, that passionately hate him? Yeah. Mainly Rolling Stone fans. <laughs> That's so funny. Really? Yeah. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I, I remember when I was young and I found because out... Because the Rolling Stones were so good. Yeah. People. They're such good, <laughs> gracious people. <laughs> I'm, it's weird. I it, That is one argument. The, the Stones-Beatles one that actually... I am very much a part of, like, I get furious when someone says the Stones were better. I just, what are you talking about? And I remember a time when I was a kid, I was brought up sort of being told the Beatles were the best band ever. And I oh. remember the first time someone said... So your said, parents really into the, the Yeah, my, my dad my dad was hugely into the Beatles, um, my, but he was more into David Bowie. But I saw a John Lennon documentary when I was about nine, and it just turned everything upside down. 
you know those seminal moments yeah. in in your childhood that you can remember that mm-hmm. you go that was the moment that something clicked for me that was i watched imagine the documentary about john lennon didn't even know who the beatles were at that point and i was what is this this is incredible and i remember like years later saying oh so the beatles are the best band in the world and someone would be like no nah, they're crap and it blew but that was a second that's moment a i was fact like that you have just disputed yeah i was like that's an actual fact they are the best <laughs> band ever what are you talking Hang about on, do you think the earth is round or flat yeah <laughs> <laughs> and that was a huge opening of sort of like oh wow people have opinions that are <laughs> i hate that <laughs> yeah Hi, Matt. I remember some, like my dad playing me Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson was big for me. Michael Jackson, Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder. Because Wonder. my mum and dad were separated, so when I spent time with my dad, I was kind of just trying to soak up all my dad's stuff. And he was Stevie Wonder, Michael Jackson, and that's that so kind cool. Of stuff. Stevie Wonder is a big one for me as yeah. well. Um, I listened to an album I haven't heard before called The Secret Life of Plants. It was a soundtrack. Have you heard that? I haven't. No. Check it out. It's amazing. It's a double album, and it's it's it, that's the thing about Stevie Wonder. He's got a catalog so large that. Because he started, what, when he was like 12 with yeah. his harmonica, yeah, little Stevie? And I, even that is yeah, incredible. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. The footage of that is extraordinary. But then um, did you see what he had to say about the whole Blurred Lines thing? With Oh, no. Uh, it was really interesting because uh, someone stopped him and said, what do you think about Blurred Lines and Marvin Gaye? And it sounds like Marvin Gaye. What do you think about that? And mm. he was like, well, of course it sounds like that. He's inspired by the guy. Yeah. There's going to be some mu- musical influence there. Of course it's going to sound like that. But I don't think they should be paying all, you know, whether they pay that money is neither here nor there. It's going to sound like that if you're inspired by someone. Yeah. They you got go, sued, what, oh. like five million? Yeah, well, five million, something like seven million dollars. It's one of those things, one newspaper said eight million, one newspaper said yeah. nine million. And like, okay, so it's a lot of money. A lot yeah. of money they had to pay the, the, the estate. And I seem to remember they said it was because they copied their groove. Which is, <laughs> you can get sued for groove copying now? That's, that's kind of boring. That's scary. Watch out for your groove, Dad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, that's cool. So, um... If you had to pick a top five book, I did this to, I did this to Josh Howie. I oh, like yeah. it when people are really passionate about stuff and I can go right, recommend top five for books for Desert Island. Oh, God. Um, do you reread right. books? Yeah, I do all the time. In fact, in fact, that might be the best way to pick the top five. What are the books that I've, that I've gone Red back most. to? Yeah, so Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the Beatles, that completely blew me away in a, in a weird way. It made me appreciate how good jokes could be. Mm-hmm. How cause I don't know if you've ever read it. It's it's. I watched it when I was little. It was on with my my, my stepdad and I used to watch it. Oh, okay, yeah. And so like the, the over, t- I used to think he's over laughing at stuff. My dad, my stepdad liked <laughs> Monty Python and Monty Python. I know it's a terrible thing to say, but for me, it just I was like, I don't. Are you laughing at this because you think it's funny, or are you over laughing because you want to show that you're intelligent? I yeah. used to kind of watch and go. I don't... Yeah, what's I'm, going on here? Yeah, I'm not sold yet. So you didn't this. actually watch any Monty Python because you were sussing out the psychology of your stepdad. Yeah. As whereas, was... whereas the two Ronnies, I just wet myself laughing at. That yeah. was a gut instinct. I got the, the humour in that. We were all laughing. It was fine. Yeah. Whereas Monty Python, I was a bit like... Hmm. What's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was another one that I watched with my, with my stepdad. Yeah, so that... I didn't read it. Um, it started as a radio series, and then it was a book, and then it was a TV series. The TV ah. series didn't really, for me, work um, in comparison to the other two. But the book is just amazing. And Maybe it, I should try and read it then. Oh, it's honestly, it's 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 one of those ones where so every paragraph. So he'll be telling, he'll be doing the main story, but then he'll he'll suddenly just explain like. This is not uncommon for a species to do this in the universe. In fact, there's another species who live a million... And then he'll just do a little paragraph. But in that little paragraph, it'll read like the blurb of a book that you'd be dying to read. 
And you know that that little paragraph could be expanded out into an entire novel in its own right by any other novel. And there he is just throwing it away as a paragraph, as an aside in the book. And the whole book is just that. It's just packed with these comic ideas that are amazing. Oh, wow. It's incredible. But on top of it, it's all about the universe. And it got me into science, really. Um, and I'm not a scientist, and I, I didn't study science, but... It got me interested in in looking up and going, wow, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. Which is amazing for a book to do when it's just a you know science fiction comedy parody book. Um, so that's one yeah. I love that book. Uh, one that I keep reading for some reason, and again, it's a ghost written book. And as I was saying, like I don't usually get oh, go on. surprise so, me. It's Harpo Speaks by Harpo Marx, which is so he was the silent one in the ah. Marx Brothers, the one who played the harp. It's just an amazing book. I I don't even know how to explain why. It's a good book, but it it just kind of covers the story of this amazing bit of comedy in America where suddenly stage actors who were doing comedy were able to do movies because they sound came in mm -hmm. and and I and I read the book before I'd seen any Marx Brothers movies and yeah, I don't know, there's something about it. If you're that. into if you're into old comedy, that's the book I think to to read. Because also, he, like the David Niven book, Harper Marx was a part of so many interesting things throughout his career. Like, he, he got sent to Russia. Um, he was the first ever American performer to perform in Russia um, when they were trying to mend things up. Um, and, and they sent him. Yeah, and they sent him because... Because he wasn't going to speak. Because he, he wasn't going to speak. Yeah, so he could just <laughs> play the harp and be slapstick on stage. And, and he did these shows. But then while he was there, and everyone was really suspicious, like an American performer coming over, he got he got contacted by the uh, US government saying, we need you to sneak papers back in and the spy's going to meet up with you. And he was like, are you kidding me? This is... <laughs> You couldn't pick a worse person. The eyes of the country are on me. And he did it. And he snuck it in his in his trousers and he brought the papers back and he handed it to the That's government so on the sneaky. other side. So they went over there because they were building bridges. Yeah. And then he just totally and set they used Harpo as a spy. Yeah. <laughs> Mind you, that's, that, that's brilliant though, isn't it? Yeah. Hiding in plain sight. Yeah, exactly. How extraordinary. Yeah. So I love that book. Um, what's that? Those are two. That's two. So we've got Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. Harpo Speaks. Harpo Speaks. Um, what else do I read a lot? Do you know what's really interesting about books? I, I love books, and they, obviously there's a lot of books in my house, and I love that Freakonomics thing where I, one of the mums at school said that she'd read Freakonomics. You know, if yeah. you read it, everyone, I just assume everyone's read Freakonomics. Yeah, it's it's uh, that's an awesome book. Yeah, and there's a, a bit in it that says, in fact, I don't have it. I think I gave it to someone and lent it, and I can't remember who I gave it to, but anyway... Um, and she said she'd read it, and so she was going to get lots of books because apparently kids that have got that grow up in a house with lots of books in it do a lot of reading. And I was kind of like, well, that that's not just because there's lots of books there, you know, that's because the parents probably read yeah. the books. <laughs> She's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to buy a stack of books, yeah. and that's going to make my kids intelligent by that's osmosis. Just look at it, and but, they'll they'll feel. Clever. But with my middle I've got three of them, and my eldest Isabella just reads like has read from the from the get go, loves reading, has always read. Max had real, just wouldn't read, just didn't seem to be interested and right. we couldn't figure out what it was until um, he wouldn't, he had these books called like Biff and Chip and it was like Biff was the dog and Chip was the owner and Biff and Chip are going for a walk and Biff and Chip have gone to the park and nah, 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 nah. and then I saw him one day at a friend's house just devouring this Guinness Book of Records and I suddenly realised he's bored rigid of the storybooks. He wants facts. Yeah. So we got him loads of books on facts. And he's now, his reading is ahead of his, his year because he just, I didn't, I didn't the, the teachers couldn't figure it out. And they were like, you know, some kids are just slow readers. And we just didn't allow for the fact 
he was like, these books are shit. Yeah, yeah. That's so cool. Those those are, I think for a lot of kids, those are the big books. Because those, those Guinness World Record books, they are like weird wonderlands where you're them. you're meeting real life superheroes. Like the guy who can pull a train with his teeth. Extraordinary. And, he yeah. loves them. Um, yeah, I had I had a book when I was a kid called The Weetabix Book of Facts. <laughs> we used to just sit for hours. Lesser just, known Weetabix. Yeah, Weetabix didn't quite get to Guinness <laughs> level. Um, did you get that? Because you grew up in Hong Kong, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I remember yeah. having this conversation in du- in Dubai in, in Edinburgh, uh, Edinburgh with you because I grew up in Dubai. Yes, that's right. And, yeah, um, and my dad. We went back to Scotland because my stepdad wanted me to be able to say I'm from Edinburgh. Okay. Because in Dubai we met quite a lot of people. You go, where are you from? And they'd go. Um, well, my mom, my mom's from Canada. My dad's from the Philippines. So I guess I'm kind of, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I really want you to be able to see you're from Edinburgh. All right. Because <laughs> that was really important. How old, how old were you when you left? I was 12. I was there from 8 to oh, 12. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Nice. But I've not been back. I, I want to go back, but I'm kind of, I'm. it was such a lovely time in my life. But I'm frightened to go back because it's not going to be like that. Yeah. But, and, it's, and, and everyone tells me how Dubai has changed. And we used to spend like weekends going around the old souk and on dows and stuff up in sort of old dubai yeah but i don't know if old dubai is left anymore i don't think it is i go there all the time because yeah my sister lives in abu dhabi and she oh, has yeah. two babies there and she's married and, and works and uh she's been there for like five years and uh so dubai is just up the road i have a very good friend up in dubai so i'll just do that that oh, quick really? hour trip yeah yeah it's uh i mean i don't know what it was like when I you were there, in it's eighty-five. In when? Eighty-five. Eighty-five. Yeah, I, I get. I mean, it would have just changed like there. crazy now, right? I can't. I can't. I know there's like there's full golf courses out there. When, when my dad was there, he'd right. stick his own little bit of turf. Oh, cool. And have to put it down <laughs> on the desert. And now they have one of the leading golf tournaments of so. the world. I was there, and uh, last time I was there, they had the number one player in the world there playing. And this guy came because I didn't get to go to it. I, I didn't even know it was on neighbor of my sister's came in the evening going i just spent the entire day standing next to and watching the greatest player in the world play a play a whole course and no one was there because no one in dubai or abu dhabi really cares about golf they just happen to have so much money to put on these things and they're trying to build it up he's like where else in the world can you just stand next to the number one of any sport who was it who's the number one i can't remember his name yeah we'll have to look that up yeah that's amazing yeah but so it's dubai and abu dhabi are now trying to turn themselves into these kind of sporting and cultural epicenters. Actually, culture is a bit a bit slower. But, like, you know, Al Murray's out there all the time doing gigs. Joe Lysett went out there. Really? Yeah. When I was there, Billy Conley came out, and my parents were so excited because he came to the Caledonian Society. And there's a weird thing about Scottish people that when they go abroad, they seem to get more Scottish than they are at <laughs> home. So they'll be at home, and on Burns Night, they'll probably stay in and maybe think about having some haggis. But if they're abroad... You'll go to a burn supper and you'll do a toast to the lassies and you'll you'll do all the you'll all do the it proper yeah you'll do yeah. it properly whereas at home you're like nah it's burn's night yeah that's so funny I I get the same thing like Aussies abroad as well because I moved to Australia after I left Hong Kong so how long were you in Hong Kong for twelve years same I did the same period okay. as yeah as you did in that um but I kept the accent you must have had an international accent right? no 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 I uh. Well, I was there from 8 till 12, but the weird thing oh, was... Oh, from 8 yeah, till 12, eight sorry. Till 12, okay. I was there for four years, but also um, I went back to a school in Edinburgh and it was a local school and I got kind of bullied because I kind of had a slight American sort mm. of transatlantic accent, yeah. mid-Atlantic accent, whatever, and I got bullied for it. So, of course, I lost that sharpish. Yeah. And then sort of now settled on Scottish. I, I don't think... My kids are always surprised when they hear me on the radio and they go, oh, you're Scottish. 
because right. to them I just sound like mum. Yes, yeah. But it's only with the sort of distance of, and they when I'm not there and they hear me, they're they're surprised. They don't hear my accent at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. It's bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, I guess I guess if they can't see, you. but then if you shout from the next room to get them in for like dinner, are they like, who's the Scottish lady yelling? <laughs> it's bizarre. It's kind of. It's just really strange. Like, Mummy, you sound Scot. You sound like grandma. I know. <laughs> I'm from Scotland. Yeah. But so your accent um, in Hong Kong was American. It was way more American than it is now. Now mm-hmm. it's kind of um, calmed down. I had the same thing when I moved to Australia. I I went to a went to a very hippie school called Rudolf Steiner, and I was really There's worried. One of them in Edinburgh. Is there? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, th- that was an amazing education. There's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone hates it because it's really hippie and it's really you know it believes in well, it was in. A, in a, it believes in what? Does it believe in? Oh, just everything that's kind of, uh, it believes in auras and it believes in, in it's it's a total different schooling system to what you get in any other school. Uh, and so you, you call your teachers by their first name, for example. One class that we had to do was called Eurythmy. Eurythmy is about bringing your body into connection with your mind, I think. I mean, all I know is that we were dancing with poles for an hour like oh, every wow. two or three days. Um, How long were you at school there for? I did all of high school, so year seven till 12. Because um, I remember that the thing in Edinburgh that we used to think about the Rudolf Steiners was that they didn't have to do school exams. They didn't have to do exams if they didn't want to. Yes. And me kind of going, that's amazing, at school. But of course now, as a parent, you'd be like, they need to do exams. Yeah, <laughs> they did They did do exams, but they gave you this final option. I mean, I don't know if, if it's... Every country seems to have a different Steiner system, but the one that I went to... We didn't have to uh, do final exams. You could do a major project. So the major project was think of a thing that you want to do. Think of a practical element. Keep a diary and give occasional updates on how you're doing. And then we'll mark you on that at the end of the year. Oh, my God. So that so was, was my final year. You. Yeah, yeah. So I did a, I did a, I thought I'll do a, I'll write an hour of stand-up comedy. My first gig ever was an hour-long gig because I didn't know that you did shorter gigs. Minutes. Yeah, well, I, I'd only ever... I was too young to go to clubs. I was 17, turning 18. Um, whoops, sorry. It's okay. Take it. No, Is no, anyone it's, interesting? Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's actually my oldest friend from Hong Kong. Hi, um, Matt. Ash. Maybe the ears are burning. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, so I wrote this... I wrote... Because, yeah, I'd only ever see, like, Bill Bailey on TV doing an mm-hmm. hour or Comedy Central specials for so an hour. So I just thought, oh, that's what you do. You just write an hour. And so at the end of school, I got this, I got a really good mark. I got a distinction, but that is no use for any, like I technically have not graduated from high school in terms of how curriculums are seen. I I can't go to university or I couldn't go to university because I didn't have any marks. Really? Yeah, yeah, I had nothing. I had no... So from standard schools not go to college then? No, so you have the option of then doing um, a proper syllabus and and doing whatever the country says is the main thing and you come out with a mark and you can go to... But they give you the option. I took the other option. Okay, you took the other option to I took the hippie option. Oh my God. Because I just thought, I'm not going to go to university. I I know what I want to do. So I'll just Just spend a year, yeah, trying comedy out. That's amazing because it took me a long time to get to to doing comedy. Oh, really? Yeah, because I kind of thought my my parents sent me to a private school in Edinburgh next door to Rudolf Steiner, and they had come from a really poor background. And I thought I can't graduate from school and get all my hires and all my exams, then go to university and then see if so now I'm going to be a comedian. Right. I just thought there, there's there's a weight there was this weight of responsibility on me. Yeah, yeah. But and then I did it anyway. So yeah. <laughs> but then bizarrely, my daughter came home last week saying she wants to be a, a pediatrician, and we were like. What? Can't you do an honest job like be in the theater or <laughs> a regular salary? What the hell is wrong with you? 
<laughs> I think, but that's so bizarre. But when you when you have parents, because um, you, you're both in in entertainment, right? Yeah. Um, you and your husband and uh, my parents. Neither of them went to university. Both of them kind of just started. They're both hairdressers, and they just started their own salon. And oh, they really? just yeah. And so when I was like, I'm not going to university, they were like, Yeah, why? We weren't expecting. And my sister didn't go. My brother didn't go. So my what do uncle you all do didn't then? Go. Uh, my sister, my brother's quite young. He's he's 22, so he's still figuring stuff out. But he currently works for a hotel, uh, Four Seasons in Sydney. Um, he's the bell boy, uh, not the bell boy. He's the front desk. Okay. So if anyone's Concierge. going, if anyone's going there, Alex Schreiber. Um, my sister works in Abu Dhabi at the Yaz Hotel, which is where they have the Formula One. Um, Amazing! Yeah, you it's incredible. Formula One. I haven't been yet, but I could go. She, I mean, she I gets. I love Formula One. Oh, it's so cool! It literally the track is in the hotel. Like if you're in the Shut hotel, up. yeah, yeah, it's in. It goes underneath and around it. It just surrounds the hotel. Well, it must be like they must have to soundproof it because that's quite a loud. It's really loud. Does it go right up through the whole hotel? Yeah, and you can you can hire out these amazing Batmobile looking vehicles uh, all throughout the year. So I was having dinner with my sister there and they're just going around and just every like, you know, minute something and you're like, Jesus, like it's really loud. That's but that's part of the experience, I think. Yeah. My, cause my, my in-laws, they race um, as a hobby, not Formula One. Well, my father-in-law, I think might have an old, he's got James Hunt's old car. Right. Yeah. Cool. Wow. I mean, I say he's got James Hunt's old car. I, I'm guessing it's been completely rebuilt from when James Hunt was in it. I don't know. Cause yeah. Yeah. I'm always amazed at how flimsy these cars. When you when you get up close, you're like, oh my god. Well, it's... they're like plastic. Yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't look. It doesn't look like it should survive that speed. No, it doesn't. Yeah. It really doesn't. And I think if my, if my any of my children wants to be Formula One, I'd have a bit of an issue with that. Mm. I think we were talking about sports recently because I like I do like sports. I mean, we were watching rugby, and I've got a friend who works for. Um, I t- I'm not going to even try and remember the name of the team, but it's in Bristol, probably the Bristol rugby team, whatever. <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> And he was saying, like, they get quite significant and serious injuries because they, in rugby they bang up against each other. And he's mm. gone to American an American football team, Pittsburgh Steelers, and they don't get half as many injuries because no. they're all padded, even though American football looks yeah. just as rough. Yeah, totally. Well, also, um, someone did an equation recently trying to work out, because when you watch Gridiron, it's just constant breaks and and the swapping of teams from offense to defense. Someone worked out that if you add up the total time of play, if it's like go, play, it's 11 minutes. It's a three-hour event that you watch, and it's only 11 minutes of play on the field. Which is insane because rugby is just full on. It's full just play, on, play, yeah. play, and, and you don't suddenly really swap teams. And, yeah, yeah. And there's a boy, there was a boy after like, the recent Six Nations who's like had four in- head injuries now, and that's it. He's out. Oh, he can't because really. Well, you would. Oops, excuse me. You wouldn't, would you? You wouldn't risk that again. Yeah, but I mean, they. I, I remember watching, you know, uh, rugby league, and and um, there's a there's a team called the Manly Sea Eagles, which is sort of the local team of ours in Sydney. And there was a guy called Jeff Tuvey, and they were in this finals, and he's on the ground, and this guy from the other team stamps on his face, just like, just in front of everyone, and he's just bleeding like crazy, and the guy, you could hear his microphone just go, oh, fuck, I just stood on my face. <laughs> and he, But then they just put a little band-aid on, and he's back Carry in. On. He stood on his eye with a stud. And That's he was like, okay. send me back on. Gets, oh, gets. yeah, they do get in trouble. They, you do hear occasional stories of where they get in trouble. There's a famous one of a guy who kept sticking his finger up people's butts and <laughs> they would always drop the ball. So it was always like, you know, in scrubs and stuff. <laughs> Suddenly we'd be like, whoa, and they drop the ball. And then no one was really believing them when they're going, I promise you, there's a guy 
there's a phantom player here sticking his finger up our asses and they eventually called him out and so he had to i think he still plays but he's like fine for that (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think a lot of embarrassment. Here's your dad. <laughs> Let's tell him what you've been up to. Yeah. My God, are you into sports? I can't. I, yeah, I am, and I'm not. I if it's on, I love it, but I don't. Like I've started watching NBA again, and I, I, it's really hard because I don't have a team. It's really you? hard to find a team. I don't know what constitutes finding a, finding team, a team now. Yeah, because it yeah, used to be you just go Michael Jordan. Yeah. Or, yeah. We went to, we saw Miami Heat cool. in Miami. Nice. And um, Was that LeBron James? LeBron James. Yeah. yeah, it was great. And so, but then he's, he's, he's gone, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's in with a new, he's, he's a like new... the Mavericks or something. Yeah, no one's like... doing good who used to do good. Like Kobe Bryant's team, I think he's still with the Lakers. They're coming the lowest in the... So all the teams I would naturally be like, oh, yeah. go for you. I've got a little soft spot for the Clippers now. Do you? So I went to see um, um, Miami Heat and... Um, it was amazing, and I always think it's so funny because we were in Miami, and Steve, my husband happened to sort of go, "Do you want some tickets?" But we managed to get some tickets. We went to see it, and it was amazing because I love how in the UK they try and sort of make it all fair and equal, and they'll say, "Please welcome our visitors," you know, right. Chelsea football team, and there might be some booze in Arsenal, but you know, generally there's sort of a sense of fair play. Yeah. Whereas in America, they don't even bother with that. They sort of like, "Please welcome our our guests from Pennsylvania," and now. Miami! <laughs> and these flames went up in the air and I was like, ah, they're not even trying. Yeah. It was hilarious. And it's like, so of course, good. You know, LeBron James comes out and he takes a band that they all come out one by one and do their circuit. Yeah. No attempt at all for any sense of fair play. Yeah. It was like, you suck when the other That's team so came funny. out. But, but then we saw the Heat and Clippers in LA and I quite like Clippers. There's quite a, a few team players in there that, although, because I was in... LA watching my team which was the Heat but I do kind of go okay if I had to pick another team now that LeBron's gone yeah yeah Clippers (laughs) Clippers. I had the same thing I went to see the New York Knicks in Madison Square Garden when I was last in New York wow and that by the way it was the single most insane beautiful event I've been to like they know how to put on a show it's Americans incredible. do sport better than anyone else so in the world. So good. Because we saw, we went to the Dodgers, we went to the Clippers, and we was like we saw the. Of course, we were around for the Super Bowl. Yeah. And it's what you a, went to the Super Bowl? No, we were around for the Super Bowl. Oh, we right. Go to the Super Bowl. We did. Like, we we watched the event, the spectacle, Still, and it is that's... such a massive spectacle. Mm, yeah. And everyone having the you know everyone has a Super Bowl party. Yeah. Just extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about um, Madison Square Garden. Oh, just just in the same thing as you're saying, like they just fireworks, not fireworks, but flames of fire. And um, there was every moment was not, you just have like, okay, there'd be a timeout and suddenly some kid would come on and sing and you'd be like, this is the best kid singer (laughs) ever. And a guy came out and he started, he had one of those, you know, in Big with Tom Hanks where it's the piano on the ground. So he had like a piano on the ground, smaller than that though. And he was juggling balls and he started playing the piano with these balls. So very slowly he was playing with one. He was going like bling, 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 bling. But then he brought two balls in and then he brought three balls in. Oh my God. And I think he almost went to four. I'm not sure, but it definitely three. And he was just going bling, bling, ding, 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 It was incredible. Uh, and, then, and then they have the celebrities in the front row. Kristen Wiig was there. So I freaked out. I was Kiss just cam. like, this is amazing. Um, 
Magic Johnson was there. Oh my God. I was like, what? He just stood up and did a wave and just every moment. And in America, is... they get it. It's, like, it's, not, it's not that don't bother me. I'm, I'm here to enjoy myself. I'm on private time. They're like, I'm here at a public event. I've got yeah. a good seat. Part of, my, part of the, the transaction is that I stand up and wave. Exactly. Well, and they must give advance warning as well because they play a sort of montage clip on the big screen. Like Kristen Wiig will just Amazing. have like this full best of stuff. And then suddenly the camera's on her and she's waving and... That's great. And uh, yeah, I, but I had the same thing. I went in for the Knicks. I was like, yes, the Knicks. And they were playing the Timberwolves. And I just fell in love with the Timberwolves. They were so cool. I had a guy on their team called uh, Kevin Love, who I instantly took to because he's the grand nephew, I think, of Mike Love from the Beach Boys, who no I way. hate, but I just love the Mike. I love like the, the Beach Boys connection. Oh, yeah. Mike Love's a dick. <laughs> Mike Love is the biggest dick on this planet. No. I would put him if I if you ask me top biggest dicks. We're still trying to work through your books. Yeah, that's we true. Got, we've, we've only got to like Hitchhiker's Guide and, and Harpo. Yeah, Harpo. Harpo. Well, well, if someone's written a book called Mike Loves a Dick, that would be number three. <laughs> do you know what I'm kind of obsessed with? It? Do you ever watch Who Do You Think You Are? I've seen one or two episodes. Yeah. There's a, the American one's extraordinary because everyone thinks that they're like from the Midwest or whatever. Cindy Crawford on Who Do You Think You Are? Oh, cool. Goes back and she finds out that she's got relatives in um, in Dorset. And it turns out that one of them was a knight that fought against Crom- like Cromwell. Wow. Cromwell. And then it goes back further and further and further. She's related to Charlemagne. Really? Yes. What, like a direct descendant of Direct descendant of Charlemagne. And what's extraordinary was, you know how you were saying that when you go to buy a book... And you have to style out how much it's worth. Yeah. I love Who Do You Think You Are? Because when you see that the geeky genealogists that are trying to sort of put together someone's family tree, when they know that person <laughs> is related to someone amazing, yeah. and they're, wetting, they're in their head losing their shit, but they can't say anything because they're just doing it for the camera. Where And if you'll see here, you'll see no, no, no. And yeah. you can see them going, oh my God, you're totally related yeah, to I can't believe I this. Yeah, yeah. And Xander Armstrong's one, the same one. He's related to, you know, the royalty. He's Is got he? royal really? connections. I'm that not entirely of... surprised that Xander yeah, Armstrong yeah, that kind has of royal connections. Yeah. But I was astonished to see, astonished to see Cindy Crawford. But yeah, I that's very cool. I just that sort of, them trying that's to contain of, themselves. Um, yeah. But that sort of hushed tones, but like, bubbling excited eyes yeah 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 it was great anyway so we've got hitchhikers so we're going back and forward as we will yeah because my brain doesn't work in a linear fashion i know this is why you like those books books. yeah so hitchhiker's guide um, harpo speaks speaks. did you say another one um my glove is a dick but that (laughs) That, one doesn't as of yet not written Um, oh oh, okay actually uh weirdly this is yeah um it's it's called either wouldn't it be nice or yeah, I think it's called Wouldn't It Be Nice by Brian Wilson. He's got a new album out this week. Oh, God, I've heard the singles. It's terrible. Is it? <laughs> terrible, and I'm a massive fan. He's gone to new levels of terrible. <laughs> it's so bad. He did. They did, a, they did a Beach Boys reunion album for the 50th anniversary not too long ago, mm-hmm. and the last three songs on it are as good as anything on Pet Sounds. They are incredible. It's suddenly... And it sounds like Pet Sounds, These those amazing drum moments mm-hmm. that, that sort of made all those songs as beautiful as they were. And that was incredible. And I was like, Brian, if you're going to continue doing music, let's have more of that. Yeah, yeah, and he's done this electro song <laughs> with... A guy called Sebu or something like that, who's massive that's apparently. Nice. That's all right. And Steve, just as Steve was reaching to turn off the um, radio when it came on, I, right. like, I quite like that. And he was like, oh, oh, I was going to turn it God. off. God, I think, I think though, I think I'm biased. I think I t- 
totally want him to just do great harmonies, Beach yeah. Boys style. That's what he's a genius of. So when it's suddenly like electro, yeah, yeah. I'm like Brian. Don't what be are you growing on us? Yeah, with his kid voice coming over. <laughs> Don't I be evolving. Evolving. <laughs> it's like, dude, calm he wrote down. A song called Wendy, didn't they? Beach Boys. Huh? Beach Boys wrote a song called Wendy, didn't they? Yes, they did. Yeah. yeah. We Wendy. like them for that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that song. That's a real time in my life when I discovered the Beach Boys. I think I was about 16 and there was a summer that I played it. Ah. And it was still that sort of surfing USA. And- yeah, yeah. But that must be, if you have a song that's named after you, that's always a big bit in your life because everyone keeps singing it to you. So like uh, Elton John, that's how I found out about Elton John because everyone kept singing Daniel to me. Oh, really? uh, yeah. And uh, Danny Boy as well. Although I haven't really gone down i don't know who wrote that i don't know his other work <laughs> but i definitely know that song really well oh, i have a, my, my grandparents are irish and um they always they could not get past saying my name without singing that song because they called me danny so okay. they'd be like danny would you oh, oh danny and then just be, yeah. Have a day off. <laughs> yeah. funny but yeah um, but this brian wilson book wouldn't it be nice wouldn't it be nice and again there's awesome controversy behind it because it was written with his psychiatrist at the time who apparently was totally manipulating him called uh, Eugene Landy. And the book is so candid. It starts off with him being fired because he's on too much cocaine. He's insane in his house. And he goes through his whole history of the Beach Boys. And his dad was a psycho. His dad used to make him shit on a carpet in the lounge room in front of his whole family. Because he just hated him. And he used to beat him so bad that Brian's only got hearing in one ear. So everything he hears is in mono. And he's made all that music with only one ear, which is extraordinary with the layers of how, how beautifully layered all the albums are. And he produced them all as well. So he has this extraordinary life, which was full of uh, constantly like having affairs, remarriages, troubled times with his kids, um, oh suicide attempts. A beautiful account. Like, he had this one moment where he was standing on the edge of his house, which was right on the edge of a cliff, and he was ready to commit suicide. And he just had enough. He was he was too far into into this drug-induced place that he'd turned uh, his life into. And he was standing at the edge, and he's looking over, and he suddenly thought, oh, before I do it, I just want to quickly imagine being dead. Wouldn't that be amazing? I just quickly experience it and then do it. So he closed his eyes and thought about nothing, and he suddenly got freaked out. And stood back and didn't do it because he realized that in death there's no music and he loves music more than anything in the world and he couldn't stand the idea of there being no music. And it's the only thing that saved his life or made him save his own life. Um, That book is extraordinary. And again, it's ghost written and he's he's disowned it since saying, oh, no, that was Eugene Landy, you know, made up all this stuff. I think he's disowned it because he was too honest too about honest. the stuff that he said. Like, it's really honest. It's brutally honest. Because tell a shrink that you probably yeah. shouldn't tell anyone else. I mean, but this guy was a charlatan, the, the Landy guy. But at the same time, like, the book is... Ex- it's the best rock and roll book I've it's ever read. It's not that sort of hunger for information about people where you pull them to bits mm. and want to know more and more and more and more and then aren't really satisfied with what you get. Whereas we all love the golden age of Hollywood where we were denied access. Yes, yeah, yeah. That kind of access that we now have. We're like, remember the heady days of Hollywood? What? When we didn't get to know everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. There was something amazing about the privacy that they kept. Yeah. Which, but then at the same time, that's why those books like the David Niven books were so popular because suddenly it gave you the access to... It's just weird, isn't it? Like, so we are to... we are interested in it and they didn't, didn't give it to us. To feel like... I mean, have you ever been to... I remember like being to go into the Empire Awards... Oh, and yeah. being invited to sort of 
and I'm not well known. I've in the, I was invited as someone's plus one, but going there and everyone going, oh, going to the Empire Wars, you're so glamorous. Well, I'm going to be largely ignored. I'm not. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's gonna. We're going to be there, and people are going to not talk to me because you you go into that room and you see people catching up with friends or speaking to people that are going to give them another job or it's not. Yeah. It's not. And like you see all these sort of. Um, reality stars walking the red carpet to go to these things you think you're going to go in there you are going to be ignored and yeah, gonna, yeah. it's going to people are going to be like why why are they there why are you there it's not what people imagine was it, it like that when you were there no i was just there with some it was like having a night out with some friends and yeah. going oh look there's someone famous oh look there's someone famous yeah, and then yeah. kind of going home and going i remember i think leaving i was with a friend who was working on um caroline quen uh carolina hearn's show the royal family oh yeah and walking out, and walk, and then um, walking out, we went from the awards ceremony to the after show party, and all the press were following Caroline. It was like, you know, it was a long time ago. It was when the royal family was big, and they were following her, trying to get a photograph of her. And she was like, "Do you just, do you just walk? Can you just walk in front of me? Can you just walk in front of me?" And all the photographers going, "Excuse me, can, now, can you get out of the way? Can you get out of the way?" <laughs> from the back, her going, "Just stay where you are. Move, darling, move, move." Because they could get a shot. <laughs> I'm going, oh, "I don't know you guys. I'm just going to stay where I am." That's so good. But it's a, you know. It's kind of that 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 weird weird world, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I remember in LA, someone telling us a story about how they were really, really excited because they bought an apartment, and it was one of these sort of you know in LA they've got these. It was a coach house, and they had two flats. They had sort of two houses on either side, and there was a, a coach thing where you could drive in the middle. It was like an old fashioned sort of stagecoach thing. Okay. Where you could drive a car through the middle, and there was a courtyard in the middle, and on one side was one flat and our duplex and the other side was another one and on the one that they looked at they really liked it and they put an offer in and they discovered that um betty davis lived in the other oh wow and the, the these are gay friends of ours and they were still like oh my god <laughs> so, <excited. laughs> so every like they were like and we moved and we're like we're gonna be such great friends with betty davis it's gonna be amazing it's gonna be awesome ah. so excited about it so they moved in and um, of course, this was years ago when she was still around and uh, invited her, sent a note through her door saying we'd like to invite you for dinner. And Miss Davis and get a note back from Miss Davis' assistant saying Miss Davis is um, very grateful for the offer, but politely declines. Kept happening, kept happening. Eventually, they got a note saying Miss Davis would be delighted to accept <gasps> your invite to dinner. OK, so fucking huge. <laughs> yeah. Huge. They had a night for dinner. She came, she ate. She was very charming. She was very wow. funny. A few anecdotes, blah, 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 blah. Uh, left like she left quite early I think she left about half past nine the next day they got a, a, a note through the door saying Miss Davis thanks you very much for the, love, the delightful dinner last night but would like you to know that it will not be repeated or reciprocated <laughs> <laughs> amazing is that amazing oh my god she's like oh let's have one dinner with them and shut them up yeah wow what a what a weird sort of letdown of a thing to get post the party unless yeah. like i would have laughed at that but if you in love with someone i would have framed that yeah totally <laughs> but it totally knows my name <laughs> that is so good <laughs> but yeah hollywood babylon there yeah um so wouldn't it be nice i'm gonna i'm gonna get this out of you by the okay. end of the air yes um so wouldn't it be nice i think it's called, it's either called wouldn't it be nice or i wasn't made for these times pretty sure it's called wouldn't it be nice uh wouldn't it be nice uh, Hitchhikers, um, Harpo Speaks. Harpo speaks. Uh, I'm just going to look around your books and see if I can, if it reminds me of any. I'm reading at the minute. Have you read um, um, Hillary Clinton's biography? No. It's Is it good? Yeah. Really? She's interesting. Yeah, she's a very interesting person. She lived through an extraordinary 
So Extraordinary time. Yeah. And her input in politics started way back, you know. Yeah. And also just more and more about how she was a driving force behind it all when Clinton, her husband, was in, in power. Because everyone always kind of said it, and then yeah, but they do. But so many like I mean, there was that great joke that my my um, ex in laws told me. I mean, I always call my ex in laws, but you never lose your in laws, right? They're always in laws, <laughs> They're always in laws. And she told me some joke about how Hillary and Bill Clinton was were were out driving, and they pulled up at a, a gas station, and the, the gas attendant that got out and was filling up the car, and Hillary had said, "Oh my god." I dated that guy in high school. <laughs> and Bill said, just imagine, you could have been married to a gas pump attendant. And she said, no, just imagine, he could have been the next president of the United States <laughs> oh, of America. that's great. <laughs> yeah, probably true. That's so funny. But Eleanor Roosevelt, she set, I mean, she set up United, was instrumental in, in setting up United Nations, oh, yeah. wasn't she? Yeah, do you know what? Actually, I've never read a book or seen a book, I'm sure it exists out there, but a book on the history of the first ladies of the White House, because I Let's bet, yeah, Let's that would be it. an amazing book, because they were behind some of the biggest changes that I America went through, internationally and, and domestically. No one's done that. That's they all have such interesting Shh, stories. That's a great book. Edit this bit out. <laughs> hey, can I plug this in of quickly? Of course, you can yeah. plug that in. What, what, what's happening here? Oh, I'm I'm just plugging my. You're charging your phone. Like, yeah. yeah, just for the benefit of people, you're charging your phone. We have phone chargers here. Um, is your phone dying? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah. Um, Put it on airplane mode. It charges faster. You know that, don't you? Um, does it? Oh, okay. Yeah, because then information isn't coming in or going out, and it's not constantly searching for stuff, and Good. it charges fast. Cool, is that why it is? Oh, yeah. okay. okay. I'm a mother. <laughs> we pick up all these things. We pick what? up these tiny little Your nuggets. Your three-year-old's going, Mom, I'm not charging fast enough my on my iPhone. My 13-year-old and my 10-year-old do. I got, in fact, I put on um, Find My iPhone onto my phone. I thought, this is cool, because when they're at, you know, they're at the age where they want a little bit more freedom now, Yeah. and I don't want to mollycoddle them, but I want to... I want to keep them safe. Yeah. So I put them. I find my iPhone thing. My ten-year-old's got a an iPad, and my thirteen-year-old's got an i iPhone. So I can see where they are and when they're coming home from school. I can see. I can put on find my iPhone and see where they are. Yeah. Then I was out at a gig last week, and I get a text saying, "So what are you doing in Camden?" It's kind of like, "Oh God, they can see they where can I see am." Where you are. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. But, <laughs> So yeah, I've pretty much tagged myself so I can get to know where I am at all times. Yeah, that's so good. <laughs> Apparently, like I find my iPhone thing's been mentioned in forty percent of divorce cases recently. Oh really? Because wives or husbands can say, "Well, you said you were meant to be." You were yeah, there. you said you're. To... My, um, I have a friend called Sid who has this new heating system in his house, whereby your heater tracks your mobile phone, so it knows that if you're en route home or you're getting closer, it can just that's up the heat. Yeah, so it just says, "Oh, you're here," and if you're in the house, it just keeps it at a heat that you've decided it on. Exact same thing though, because if his girlfriend calls him and says, or, and opposite way around as well, when he calls his girlfriend, "Where are you?" It's like, "Oh, I'm just at home," but he's at the pub down the road. She'll be going, "Well, you're not," because the heater is telling me that you've like. So they it's the heater is now reporting but, yeah. and, and dib, dobbing on them. Yeah, you can get that kind of like. You, did you see that film Her, where the, the operating system? Oh yeah, yeah. I haven't, I haven't seen it, but oh I, I've God. been told about it. Yeah, so great. I mean, the, the idea is is so great of like falling in love with an operating system that yeah. is learning. It's like children. They learn from you times two. Yes. So they take on, because like, I do equate my kids to being a Taliban because I've taught them everything I know. And I'm America. <laughs> I've taught them everything I know and they're just using all my skills against me now. Yeah. That's but only much better and much faster. Yeah. But, oh um, my God. 
So, yeah. You've just reminded me of something that just, this is such a weird segue, but someone told me this uh, yesterday afternoon um, with saying the Taliban. So, there's a place on Earth called Tatooine, which is the same name as what uh, in Star Wars, where Luke is from, His where Luke Skywalker is from, okay. Tatooine. So, the government are issuing huge things now saying no one go to Tatooine because ISIS have just taken up residency in Tatooine. And all Star Wars geek fans have been heading over for years to Tatooine to just go, I'm in Tatooine. And now, yeah, suddenly ISIS is there. So, they're desperately trying to tell all the geeks of the world, don't go. So, we finally find a force that is stronger than ISIS and it's Star Wars geeks. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That'd be such a cool (laughs) battle. (laughs) Geeks versus ISIS. I think so. (laughs) Get out of Tatooine. The battle for Tatooine. Oh my god! Oh my god! Look, <laughs> that'd be amazing. Right? Wouldn't it be nice? Number four. Oh god! It's so hard because I wouldn't I, have. I, I wouldn't remember that had we not have had the uh, chat about uh, Mike Love. Um, we didn't. You just said he was a dick. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Kevin Love from, <laughs> Kevin from basketball. Love, okay. um, but that's how it works. I like that. You might have to come back and do another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Time. I know, I know. Because um, you, you've got a vast knowledge of all kinds of things. But being a QI elf, how do you find the stuff though? You just can't, you just keep reading. That's that's basically just keep, it. Yeah, just keep reading, just keep reading and, and see. That's like good advice for life, though, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. And we're really lucky, I think, in this period of time with pop science and pop everything. Just everything's gone pop, which means everything's accessible now. So even if you see a book that you think, oh, I don't usually, I wouldn't usually read this, you suddenly are going, but that cover looks really cool, and it says this one I thing on the blurb. I that you're not meant to judge a book by the cover. I know. This is the <laughs> most... Popular wisdom would dictate. It's such a bullshit thing as well, because I always think about, like, if you're at work and you're someone who's, like, having to decide on what cover to use for a book, how do you fire the person? They've never done a bad job. You can't judge yeah. their work. Like It's well, such I've a nonsense a thing. Well, I've um, went for a drink with a very famous, a very... Um, successful supermarket okay i'm not gonna say the name who stocks books and she had written a novel and she said you know what color of cover you know do do you like my book cover and the the person who buys who's the book buyer for the supermarket said i don't really i don't really read many books i just Mm. i just really pick them from the cover for the cover and she said well what kind of coverage was like well I, i mainly pick pink covers i don't like any other covers that is a good hint for. It's kind of like if you want to write some write some chick flick, but that chick chick lit even. Chick lit. Um, but my sister and I, I was really intrigued this this weekend because um, we're talking about my bookshelf. I arranged mm. all the books into various different colours. I know I've never seen anyone do this before. It's very um, exciting. My husband's freaking out about it because he's like, "What genre are they?" And I'm like, "Nah." But um, I looked at them all, and we've got quite a lot of um, books that have got black. Uh, covers on them yeah. and my sister said oh I'm not gonna if I ever write a book it won't have a black cover and I was kind of like ah but I've bought quite a lot of books with black covers so obviously they sell yeah they her, must do, her right? thinking was it won't stand out on the bookshelf if it's black mm. and my thinking was black book books with black covers obviously sell well because I've bought loads of them yeah but then I don't know which is the right yellow book covers don't seem to be that that, that popular on my bookshelf no, you've got you've got a lot of white books. There's a lot of white books. Yeah, so white seems to be a a big color. Um, I don't white... know if there's anything in that though. No, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think color schemes are a a thing because say you've got Dave Gorman's Google Whack book there mm-hmm. that you've got the what it would be called the hardback. It's just the taller original um, printing because yeah. um, for some reason with comedians all their books aren't in hardback. They put them into this kind of just taller softback version. Okay. Look at any comedian's book that comes out. It's always in that kind of um, 
And I don't know why. why. I don't know. Yeah. I was asking Dave. I was like, why why is you never why have you never had a hardback book? And he was like, Well, no, it's just how it is. Kind Very of thing. humble. I'm I not think, the kind I think of asshole it... that thinks they deserve a hardback. <laughs> yeah. I'm like a bit more accessible. Yeah, I th- oh I think uh, yeah, he's <laughs> Whereas you'll see Anthony Sher's biography, that is a big black hardback. <laughs> yeah, that's massive. Sir Anthony Sher. <laughs> Frank Skinner's was a hardback. Uh Richard Pryor's was. I think it was for the sort of modern stand up comedians who were coming through. They never mm. got hardbacks i think they're cheaper as well which kind of slightly influences it i wonder if it's because we also travel a lot we're, all, we're always on the road i don't yeah. if i want to take a book with me and i'm really battling because i'm going away this weekend obviously for work because i work weekends yeah and i'm flying and i try and travel as light as possible but i'm reading hillary clinton's book and it's oh, hardback huge. and yeah. i'm like oh. it's so hard and isn't I have it that, admittedly it's not a huge struggle to be having with my my inner monologue but i do kind of go oh I mean, need to start another book so that I don't have to bring my heart bag with me on the You plane. need a Kindle. And they're amazing. And I've been oh, anti-Kindle my whole life. I can't. I can't bring myself to it. I'm telling you, they're amazing. Like, I, I honestly, I've, I've been anti-Kindle. It's making me itch. I don't know, but, but what it means is that you don't have to get rid of your books. You can still buy the books. But when you go traveling, you can bring 60 books with you or 100 books. And it's in this one thing. And it's amazing because I always have this problem where I'm, I'm terrible with words. I think it's partially my... Steiner education I didn't really bother to learn many big words Mm -hmm. and so you can now touch the word on a kindle it will just tell you what it means which is amazing it's so cool and then if it's a historical figure you can touch it and it shows you the wikipedia page and it just tells you everything you need to know about that person the best thing to look up oh I love wikipedia yeah yeah wikipedia like that's another thing where the reputation is kind of like oh wikipedia is really dodgy like it might be dodgy if you're looking up kim kardashian on it because <laughs> people will come and graffiti it and, and do oh, stuff really? yeah but if you're looking into like i don't know the moon it's gonna tell you some seriously interesting and true stuff about the moon okay because it's okay. it's written by moon lovers moon lovers yeah. i'm not on the wikipedia i don't have a wikipedia do you page. not no I, I have one but only because a qi um sort of he i think he's the main online qi guy well someone asked one me, for me someone emailed me and said why aren't you on wikipedia and i don't know so i um my agent emailed wikipedia and they were like because it's not because she's not relevant. No, that that's so <laughs> untrue. That's untrue. You'd be you're, you are like, notable. It's good that I'm not as needy as I used to be because that's the kind of thing that would make me go to bed for a week. <laughs> I've never heard of anyone emailing Wikipedia though to say, "Could we have a page?" Because you anyone can make a page. Oh really? Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know how it works. If if somebody was you, like, "Why aren't you on Wikipedia?" I, was like, I don't know. Get your daughter to make you a Wikipedia page. <laughs> no, because I don't want her to find out I'm not relevant. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that book that's just caught my eye, Secrets and Lies, is a really interesting book. It's Christine Keeler. Do you know who Christine Keeler is? Yeah, she yeah. was the Perfumo. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know she had a book. Well, yeah. for, but she talks about um, her friend having getting pregnant by Prince Philip and having to have an abortion. Oh, wow. So I kind of wonder if it's just been buried yeah, yeah. by the forces that need to bury that kind of stuff. I don't understand why it wasn't everywhere. It's in the book. That's so And interesting. it must have been legally checked over. Yeah, exactly. They must have gone, this, this can get this out. This can get, yeah. Wow. But it's not got out because the, the, it's quite explosive, the book. And also the, the, what, you know, how they, what, how they sort of served her up like a dish of fish. She was like yeah. 18 and a bit dim. Yeah. And basically the reason the Profuma affair blew up was because um, they, were asking about her, they were asking her about her affair with Profuma. And she was like, no, I don't know anything about it. I don't know anything about it. I don't know anything about it. And then, you know, and nobody said anything to me about a nuclear payload. Sorry. <laughs> really? Is that what she said? That was the phrase. Wow, that, that was gave the phrase. Oh, my God. But she didn't, didn't know that. She didn't really know about it, though. Yeah, yeah. She'd yeah. heard them talking about it, but she was... Yeah. 
It's God. really interesting. I mean, and when you look at what the establishment is now accused of and politicians... Yeah, exactly. I, I'm not even remotely surprised. Was her just, life ruined by that? Yeah, it still is ruined. Did you, did you see that Monica Lewinsky TED Talk? No, but I, 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 that's one really of the things on Really worth watching. Really worth watching. Because um, it's just flat out honesty about saying, look, I made a mistake. I fell in love with a guy. The guy happened to be the president of the United States of America and he happened to be married. But I was 22 and I did a dumb thing. And it ruined up until a few years ago. I could not talk about it and it ruined my... And it's basically... Because there's a lot of... There's this great John Ronson book. John Ronson Them. John Ronson that book, Them. Them. There's We've number got four. one more. There we go. Yeah, John Ronson. We can save then. number five when you come back. And yeah, that's think true. About do it. a whole, do that, yeah, do a yeah, whole yeah. Other podcast about one book. Yeah, Amazing. exactly. Let's yeah, okay, let's hold off on so the last one. So let's hold off on the five. John Ronson's Them. That was a book that um, basically when I wanted to become a comedian, or not a comedian, I just wanted to work in comedy, um, I, I kept reading comedy books and, and I assumed you just had to be a joke writer and you had to be someone who was writing fictional sketches and sitcoms and and then I read them by John Ronson and I realized you could be funny about real things and you could travel like a real life Tintin and you could go and have adventures and put yourself in dangerous situations and make jokes. There was this one particular one where he was talking about overhearing members of the Ku Klux Klan talking about their mothers washing like either their mothers or their or their wives or sisters or something uh, um, putting their clothes in the wash and and it going in with the red and now they're oh you know can I borrow your sheets because mine are like slightly pink, pink. now and yeah <laughs> mom yeah it was it was literally it was like mom what is this I gotta go to my clan meeting oh. do you know what in scary things once you make scary things ridiculous they're ridiculous yeah. Exactly. That's it's, as soon as you apply a tiny bit of ridiculousness yeah. to a scary thing. Yeah, it's true. Um, How funny. Yeah, but so yeah, John Ronson's them completely changed. But but, but John's just written this new book. Um, John, uh, I have met him, but yeah. like that's way too familiar. <laughs> so Johnny Boy, he's written this book where it's called um, "So You've Been Publicly Shamed," and we now talk about public shaming in this new way because the internet you can shame people like it's it's horrible. It's we destroy lives. You know, Stephen Fry says I'm going to quit Twitter, and then you look to the tweet before and you realize it was a guy who called him boring. And then the world turns on this guy for calling Stephen yeah. Fry boring. And he shouldn't have called him boring. That's a stupid, terrible thing to say to anyone. You know, imagine going on Twitter and just people are going, you're crap. it's an extreme reaction. Because I yeah. get people telling me that I'm shit. I got some woman going, um, you know, you're, you handed your... I've got, I had a photograph of my youngest on Twitter right. being held by Mike Tyson. Cool. Because I was on a flight. And I, yeah, and he's a, ra- he's a convicted rapist. Yes. I get that. Yeah, yeah. Um, my family are into boxing. He's there. He's a big boxing fan as well. In the same way that you can still appreciate someone for what they do. Yeah. Sometimes not everyone's a good guy. Yeah, exactly. I, I do actually hate Mike Tyson, but I, my reaction to hearing yeah. this, I'm and like, I, wow, so cool. I got all this abuse from this woman and she was like, you're a terrible parent. You're this, you're that. And I was kind of like, you sound really unhappy. Block. That's all I did. Yeah. But then, because I sometimes think if someone calls you boring, that's quite an extreme reaction. Hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, he was just. He, I think he was just having a bad day. He saw it, and it, and he, and he came back on to defend this guy because what this guy got was all of Britain slamming down on him, and so Monica Lewinsky. That's that's what she had, but she didn't have the internet to come out and say, "Hey, I'm back um, Like I'm sorry, and like you know, she just had to take it. Also, he's in a position of power. It shouldn't. It's not on her. I know. Why was it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she did do a stupid thing, and that was if you're smart enough to get that high up in the White House, that is very stupid. But at the same time, 
she shouldn't have she shouldn't have got it he should have got he it. Should have got yeah, it. and but then don't you think women? I mean, uh, I am a feminist, and I kind of and I make no apologies for it, but. The, the the way people manage to have a go woman is just ridiculous. Yeah. I was laughing the other day because um, there was an article I was reading and I did that thing where you read the comments underneath it, which you should never do. I read the comments underneath it and they were all hateful, hateful comments about the woman's appearance. And I think, God, if women women get to, you know, you know called horrible things and judged on their appearance but for the women who are really beautiful like models who've nailed the appearance thing, they get called dumb. Hmm. So either way... There's no win. You can't fucking win. Yeah, yeah. You're either ugly and revolting or gorgeous and stupid. Yeah. It's really so- bad. It's And it's like, I mean, you get to... I, you Obviously, whatever field you work in, you get to see it in very different... Um, you know, if you work in accounts, uh, you see it in the office place with, with pay discrimination and, and all that sort of stuff. The one thing that I see most, obviously, through doing comedy, is I'm constantly watching all of my friends being asked the same question. So, so you're a woman comedian. Um, you know, what do you say about women not being funny? And, and it's it's so heartbreaking to to have to talk to frustrated friends who, as a guy, I never get asked that question. And I don't get, I, see, I don't get frustrated by it anymore. I think it's I think it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And I think Tina Fey's response to it was really good, where she says, you know, I don't enjoy. Chinese food, but I don't choose to claim it doesn't exist. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the same thing about yeah. being funny. Yeah, we exist. We're you know. Yeah, yeah. I like. See, so I one year when I was up in Edinburgh, I was living with Sarah Pascoe and Ashling B, and um, Sarah just and Ashling just flat out don't talk about it now. If they just say at the beginning of that's the interview, point. yeah, don't ask me about it. And Ashling made such a cool point about it, saying it's you know. I'm here to be funny. Like you're interviewing me, I'm going to give you funny. I'm going to, and if you ask that, that's unfair because that's asking me to stop being funny because yeah. I suddenly have to defend a whole gender <laughs> for some oh, inexplicable you think reason. You're clever, do you? Well, yeah. that's not anymore now that you've said that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just such a. Why is every woman an ambassador for their <laughs> for entire no, gender? gender yeah. Like Thanks, what? I'll tell my, I'll tell my people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's I remember such doing bullshit. an acting job once, and one of the other actors said, "Are you going to say it like that?" After when I delivered my line, I was kind of like in my head going, "Well, not now," <laughs> <laughs> because where did you go from that? Yeah, exactly. Anyway, we are probably going to have to wrap up. Yeah, we've got to go. I, and I have it's to go. been lovely sorry. chatting to you. It's Thank been you so, so fun. much for coming in. Yeah. Um, and have a think about your fifth book. Yes, yes. And, uh, Can I come back and do it? That, yeah, have you got anything you need to tell the world about at the minute? Anything you want to plug or push? No, not no? really. No. No? I mean, I, I, I do a podcast. Uh, people could hear that. Cool. Where's your, tell us about your podcast. It's called No Such Thing as a Fish. And it is on iTunes or SoundCloud. And it's me and three other QI writers uh, sitting around chatting facts. That's cool. all it is. It's geeky as hell, but it's fun. Yeah, my son will love that. Oh yeah, yeah. Play. We, it's kind of it age appropriate. It is. We swear sometimes, but for Not some reason, no one here living with me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I get. I get. We get messages from parents all the time saying my kids are obsessed with it, um, and I always write back going, "Sorry about the swearing." And they're like, oh, "Do you know what?" It's not swearing in a kind of like rude way. It's just we'll you know we'll swear occasionally, but it'll be about tortoises or <laughs> amazing. Know. So yeah. no such thing as a fish. Yeah, I'm going to get onto that. But thank you so much for coming. Hey, in. Thank you for having me.